Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is still on the hunt for the perfect mashup of sex scenes and combat, deep romantic connections, and weapon upgrades. If you know of one, leave it in the Spotify comments, or tag me on the Discord, because I'm itching for boning and bullets. <laughs> and I am Vervada, the girl who definitely can see the appeal of boning and bullets, but I think I want some sweet words and anarchy. Thinking of solace. <laughs> um, and I guess, I mean, swords would work too. It doesn't have to be, you know, bullets. I can go something older medieval times oh but before we tangent <laughs> if you're new here welcome to the beautiful chaos today's episode was recorded all the way back in february and it was so fun for me while editing to listen back to all that was discussed several months ago so for you listening now you know that we have done our episode on aya and bayek and I have a much better understanding of their relationship than I did there at that point. Listening back as future me, listening to past me, it's like a whole nother person. I didn't even remember what I said. It was fun. I'm still editing it right now as we record this. Listening to it, I was like, I don't remember like a lot of this conversation. And so it was really good. I mean, I remember talking about like, porn and all that random stuff but it, a lot of like the little details i completely forgot about so it was fun to listen back to yeah it's i always like that and for you listeners we talked to this person for i think it was slightly over two hours so that's why we've split it up into two parts but enough about the content that you're about to hear let's talk about who you will be hearing from our guest on this episode is games writer slash editor slash narrative designer slash partner at Tailspinners, Michelle Clough, among many other accolades and different credits. She's done a lot. We were introduced to Michelle by the amazing Heidi McDonald 
aka the very first interviewee on our podcast all the way back in December 2021. And we are so excited that we got to sit down and talk all about sexy times in video games. I think we have everything that we need. Excellent. Then we have everything we need to open the pod. Okay, I guess for people who don't know, would you mind introducing yourself for the listeners? Hi, uh, my name is Michelle Clough. I'm a freelance game writer, editor, narrative designer, and uh, a partner at the uh, narrative co-op uh, Tailspinners, which is a co-op that's geared towards uh, basically being an outsource studio to assist developers with their narrative, be it like script writing or editing or whatever, whatever they might need. I'm also the co-founder of the IGDA Romance and Sexuality Special Interest Group, which I co-founded with the amazing Heidi McDonald. And uh, from there, we've gone on to sort of uh, spin off into a Discord-based community called Ferrum, which is stands for the Forum for Erotic and Romantic Interactive Media. Excellent. Got it in one. I have been working as a games writer for about eight-ish, nine-ish years. I've kind of lost count. I talk a lot about romance in games and sex in games and sexy men in video games. I really like talking about sexy men in video games. Uh, so I've done a lot of talks at GDC on the subject, and I've even written a book about writing and designing sex in video games. It's called Passion and Play, and uh, you can find it from Taylor and Francis and a bunch of other places. So yeah, you can basically listen to me jabber on about sex for 400 pages or however long the book is so yeah i'm very interested in in the topics of romance and sex and games and we'll talk about them if given the opportunity forever so hence why i'm here <laughs> yes like the opportunity is here <laughs> and also our very first interview ever on this podcast was heidi um and that was december 2021 and like, because Heidi's amazing, she told us so many different people we should reach out to, and your name was top of that list, and we just finally got around to it, <laughs> as Aww. you know. No, that's, that's, Heidi is just so awesome and so amazing. Like, I'm just like, when I grow up, I want to be like Heidi. <laughs> like, she was one of the inspirations for, like, for me when I first started, like, you know, nud like, nudging my toe in into the industry that I went to, like, I, you know, started going to, to, um, uh, not GDC in San Francisco, but they had a GDC in Austin, Texas at the time. And she did, I met her there when she was doing a talk about uh, l writing interesting love interests for, for video games. And it was just such an amazing talk. It still like lives in my brain to this day, particularly how she talked about how like, you know, there are very good reasons why there are people, uh, there are there video game characters who like, if you met this person on like in real life on tinder or whatever you'd be like no hard pass never but like in a video game it's it's kind of actually appealing and the idea of like she talked about what was it the the shadow archetype and how like you know there's a certain it, like there's a certain appeal to like people that live out the darker parts of our psyche and that she was talking about why that was like all our problematic Bioware faves like Fenris and Anders and, you know, all these people were just like, yes, they're absolutely sex on a stick and that's okay. And I'm like, I need to be best friends with this woman immediately. <laughs> and ran up to her after and be like, oh, your talk was amazing. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, you totally just called this both out. I am an Anders Manser yes. and she romances Fenris. So and yeah. Solis, so. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I I you know, so this is this is where I immediately destroy my like my cred by saying like I try to I have tried several times to like play the Dragon Age series and I for some reason just never got my head around the gameplay but I have watched so many clips so many clips and oh my god like I don't care that I haven't played Dragon Age 2 I am a Fenritz man sir there is no ifs ands or buts about it because oh my god that man was bred in a vat to be my perfect man (laughs) the voice and yes when I first played that game I was a lot younger than I am now and we just did his episode later last year and when I was rewatching the videos, I was like, I don't, I don't think I would go for him now. Maybe he seems a little too emo. Yeah, no, we could totally go on from there. So you said that you have done like a whole bunch of conferences and like GDC, uh, things like that. What topics do you normally cover there? Uh, lots of sex in games. So it's it sort of has run the gamut of. Uh, so my very first talk I did at GDC back in 2014. That was about. Uh, male sexualization in games or lack thereof uh and it was actually the, it was funny how i ended up getting to do it because uh i was i had been going to the gdc's gdc's for a while had basically somehow fooled all the game writers into be like being like yes i've 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 gained their trust i am now one among the colony <laughs> and so the I was friends with Tom Abernathy who's the head of the narrative summit and uh we were talking about I forget there had been some discourse about like sexualization of female characters, you know, about like, you know, too many booby women. No, not enough booby women Are booby women problematic, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of said like, man, I, I really wish that, you know, I, I understand this is an important conversation, but I really want to go to a session that talks about like how it's different than male sexualization and that there isn't much male sexualization and like, Maybe if there was more of that, it wouldn't feel so imbalanced. Man, if only someone would do a talk about that. And Tom, bless him, was like, you should pitch a talk. I'm like, I, I have no credits to my name, barely. I'm, I'm like a nobody. And he's like, no matter, give it a go anyway. And I did it. And it was somehow one of the higher rated talks they ever had. I, <laughs> so so I took it from that, not so much, oh, I'm an amazing speaker, but that there were lots of thirsty devs out there that were like interested. And uh, so, yeah, I think I've done at GDC, I've done about like, oh God, like five or six talks at this point. I did one about healthy fan service. I did two about writing sex scenes in games. Uh, I did one last year about kindness coins and instead like designing more towards chemistry and things like that i I, and i've been in like a couple of mini talks as well like i was on uh there was one that was like a sex in games mini talk about writing sensual like writing and designing for sensuality and then there was another that was about oh god it's been so long uh the importance of writing erotica or or making erotica games because i sort of felt that like and i may be wrong and i'm sure that a lot of the, the the comments are going to be like she doesn't know what's out there which is perfectly true but i i sort of feel certainly for mainstream games like or or even to a certain extent for indie games there's this feeling of okay there's there's games where sex isn't there or it's there in a very tasteful hbo kind of way and then there's porn porn and i'm like there's a lot of 
space in between that we could be exploring and and like and that space in between is not necessarily inherently off-putting or like sexist or you know homophobic like it could be so inclusive and so welcoming to all these different players could i please have more hot erotica games please <laughs> and i know that they are out there and that's awesome but obviously it can be sometimes a bit difficult to find them question mark question mark so mm-hmm. I really need to dig into that more, but I would also just like them to be less difficult to find and easier for players to actually lay their hands on, on like Steam or other marketplaces where it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, super, super steamy, sexy games, but that aren't necessarily what I would consider porn. That's totally fine. Not that there's anything wrong with porn. We're, we're a pro, pro, pro porn person over here, but um, yeah. Sorry, I, I I talk a lot when I'm nervous. It's <laughs> so how on. I do all my. T- Don't be nervous. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. All. it's how I do all my talks. Like I, I I always go for the whole like I really love giving talks until like literally the minute I'm about to walk on stage, you're like oh I made a mistake. When I said that I loved doing talks, what I actually <laughs> meant was I hate doing talks, and now I'm terrified. And then I just like rattle off through the whole thing. That's me. I smile when I'm nervous. I word vomit when I'm nervous. We get we have given one talk so far at the portland retro game convention on the history of romance and games and i was like super sick to my stomach even though it wasn't a huge crowd i was like oh no i'm an introvert what did i do why did i say yes this is why we completely balance each other out because i was nervous the whole time leading up to it but then the second that i got on the stage i was like oh this is my space and i belong here and but as you were talking about like being pro porn in this household that is definitely very much me and i have been searching through steam i have been downloading all these little indie games cuz i really am looking for a game that has a good rich plotline to it but that is also really horny mm-hmm. like i want a game like that i have found a couple of visual novels that really hit on that but i'm also like a gamer Give mm-hmm. me combat levels. Give me something to fight with. Give me a little bit of action. I I want the whole. I want everything all in one. Pretty please. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I haven't necessarily found that yet, but I'm searching. I am out there searching. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I mean, it is something I hope that that is going to you know we're going to see more of as you know more games come out and as as because uh, I mean you know for example I I was thinking the other day that like. You know, I know that that, for example, Witcher Three isn't everybody's like favorite cup of tea, but I'm like, man, no, they've got some really good sex scenes in this that I actually think are really well done. That actually mm-hmm. feel like they've they're not only just hot, which they are, but that they ha- have like an emotional weight to them. But you also have this big giant combat, you know, game with like ridiculous amount of attention to detail and attention to the combat and all that stuff. So I think we could have it. I just I wish that more developers would sort of embrace it and run with it and like i understand it's not necessarily for every game like i'm currently playing through elden ring and i must admit that i'd be like yeah not certain sex scenes in elden ring would go well for anybody involved because it's elden ring it's weird (laughs) but um but like you know in something like witcher 3 or anything bioware or you know uh, or you know assassin's creed i'm just like yeah no bring on bring on the horny i'm totally on board for that and and not only that but like the one thing that I wanted to, I guess, challenge, and I again, I don't know if it's necessarily a belief people have now, but I, I suspect it is because it's a cultural belief, and that is 
I was noticing a lot of people kind of having this attitude of like, well, you know, we had these ridiculously like male gazy sex scenes and a lot of women and queer people complained. So clearly the answer is to not have sex scenes in our games at all because we don't want to like, you know, offend them or put them off or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We are also horny. Well, I mean, not all of us are horny because like, hooray for, you know, asexuality and whatnot. But at the same time, it's just like, yes, no, we would also like smuttiness in our games, please. We just would like it to be presented in a way that is not so off-putting or maybe so like you know a bit less male gazy i'm not even saying stop panning over the lady during a scene just pan over the dude a bit too please or or have like two dudes or two women or like people of many genders and sexualities like please more sex and get you know i i i don't want less sex in games i want more sex in games mm-hmm. i just want there to be like a wider variety to pick from and speaking to that too is that there i loved the way that mass effect andromeda did their romance scenes because mm-hmm. there was in previous games if you denied the sex at the end of the game then that was basically you're breaking up and mm-hmm. then there's normally like a fight scene that comes after that but with andromeda andromeda you could go the route with i don't want this right now and then there's a cuddle scene Mm -hmm. And you're still together. You're still romantically involved. And so for the people who don't want to have sex, or for the people who are playing this game who are kind of too young to be having sex, there's that option of, no, we're not going to do this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am also okay with the not everything has to be horny. But as long as the horny option is there, that'll (laughs) make me happy. Exactly. And yeah, I, I also really liked that um, that approach as well. I'm trying to remember, because I, I romance, I didn't get very far with that game before I was just overwhelmed with over with open worldness. But I was, I was romancing uh, Jal. And I have seen like how that romance, like how that particular scene plays out platonically, not platonically, <clears throat> without sex versus with sex. And it's just as romantic either way. I actually think, to be fair, they did an even better job with the chorus scene because, like, that mm-hmm. was, I think, they had, like, used some unique dialogue and, like, they were cuddling on the floor and it was, like, really cute. I don't know what the other romances were like. I, I, I've I seen them, but it's been so long since I've, like, checked them out. I think the only thing I would love to see more games do, and that is, I love that, but I would almost like to see it go one step further to be, like, if you say no to sex, that that doesn't lock you out of it pursuing it later if you so choose you know like that it might be like i'm not ready for it like we we've got i'm not ready for that we've got yeah let's do it it would be interesting to play with the idea of i'm not ready for it right now with maybe the option of like later on being like because then that that allows for a lot of interesting role play as well that you can role play a character who's like still warming up to this i'm still not sure how i feel and then later on be like oh we're about to go do the this this major thing this is the moment you know come up to my my uh you know my quarters and let's bang okay (laughs) we'll bang okay we'll bang okay (laughs) yeah that's something because we're we're right now our episodes what we're doing are mass effect three characters and bioware is always brought up as like the best for romances and triple a studio spaces and i know like cd project red's either right there now or close second but the formula that they both use is something that I wish they would change a little bit, which is just like flirty, 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 sex scene, and then it's over. You don't get any more content after that. And the sex is usually, especially with Bioware, like at the end of the game. And 
I just wish it would happen sooner and maybe there would be more than one potential scene to happen. And also, as much as I do like having a, a good sex scene in a game and how there's a lot of romances like Garrus and <laughs> that I wish we could have had one that we actually like saw versus just implied, I also wish there were more just romantic moments too. Because I guess that's what we've kind of come to the conclusion of learning more about this whole topic since we started this podcast is a lot of it really the whole point was sex and that kind of portrays the message of like this is romance it is physical love only Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a bummer it's also i i actually i think i had either a chapter about this or i talked about this in in one of my talks it sort of gives us sort of a weirdly I don't want to say inflated importance to sex because sex can be very important. But the fact that I, I sort of said that, like, if you only have one sex scene in the entire game uh, in, in a particular relationship, that scene is going to take on extra significance based on where you place it. If you place it sort of, as you say, like kind of at the end of the game, it's kind of like the climax of the relationship. Ha 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 ha. If you put it at the beginning, then it's kind of like, oh, we started, you know, sex, sex, having sex, and that's sort of led to a relationship, and now we never have sex again. If you put it as kind of like the turning point where it's like, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, that the, the, there's a misunderstanding and you're arguing, and then it's a Fenris moment where suddenly someone's slamming someone else against the wall, and then you never have sex again. Like, all of these, uh, if that's the only scene um, you have the sex always becomes this very kind of major like turning point or catharsis and to be fair sometimes that's exactly what you want and what you like what you're going for i i mean i do actually like to a certain extent the suicide mission structure in um in mass effect 2 because like yeah it kind of makes sense that in this moment of heightened emotion you'd be wanting to spend this moment with like the person you love or the person you care about But what I feel it lacks is that feeling of here is sex as a regular part of a long term or or even short term relationship. Like you've gotten together and this is something that now you just kind of do. Um, I mean, there are exceptions like I know um, Iron Bull, for example, I think actually does a, a good job of subverting this in that. Yeah, it makes it very, very clear that you are having sex with him multiple times and, uh, you know, and they actually have scenes that tackle that. And so there is this sort of implication of, oh, yeah, this is a regular part of your relationship. But I think that's still kind of a little, I don't want to say new, but like it's it's not as common as the kind of like the one and done and this one seed is everything. It's just like, I I mean, I like it where the one scene is everything, but I'm also okay with multiple scenes being not everything, but something. And that together they are part of the larger whole. I have hope for the newest Dragon Age game because because they've had that time. And Inquisition did so many things so much sooner than any other studio really was doing them. Mm-hmm. So like major props to Bioware forever. Like they're the reason that we have this podcast in the first place because our mutual love of Garrus. But... <laughs> There was something else that I wanted to ask you about specifically because I haven't had a chance to read your book yet, but um, I definitely want to because we, as I think I've told you, Jen does the sex scene breakdowns in our episodes. 
And, you know, especially in these games, these RPGs like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, where you can choose your gender and you have some characters that are romanceable where you can romance them as either gender. And we just did Caden's episode on this past Friday for Mass Effect 3. And what's cool about him is that's the first game you can romance him as male Shepard and their sex scenes are different mm. for Femme Shep and male Shep. But Liara... Same exact scene, like same blocking for animation and everything, whether you're Fem Shep or Male Shep. And for her sex scene, we we didn't like it as Fem Shep because sex between people with vaginas just don't work like that. Mm-hmm. And like so I wanted to know is that part of how you make sex scenes better in games, which is like a unique animation for your character? I think it absolutely can be part of it and in some cases indeed should be part of it. Funnily enough, my my sort of uh, sex scene that I always go to in terms of, oh my god, please, there needed to be different animations, uh, was the PB sex scene in Mass Effect Andromeda, where I'm just like, what, what is, what is she doing? What is she gyrating on? That there's, I, I mean, I'm I'm straightish, but even I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. I'm fairly certain that there's something missing in this dynamic. And the thing is, of course, like, in terms of the realities of game development, like, I get it that there's an element of, like, you need to save time and work, but there is, I I sort of, I guess I feel like, if you know that that's going to be potentially an issue, there are certain animations or certain camera tricks you can do that can, like, mitigate that. Because, like, to be fair, it's been a while since I've seen the FemShep Liara scene in Mass Effect 3, and to be fair, it didn't really ping my... My, that's not how that works as badly as as um, the PB scene. And that might have been because, to their credit, I remember a lot of their scenes being kind of like, you know, sort of shoulder up. And it wasn't like, you know, there was less bits where I'm like, what are they doing? What's going on? They sort of left it a little bit. The, the angles and the framing left it a little bit more vague. So it would let you kind of, you know think in terms of like imagination of what's going on off scene no no No, i see shaking of heads (laughs) no so the mass effect 3 liara scene is actually one of the more graphic ones that we see in mass effect 3 that is true it it is like so the shepherd is on their back well floating in liara headspace but they're on their back and liara is just straddling you and so i mean with the bro shep it is very obvious why she's gyrating her hips there Mm -hmm. but sitting on top of a fem shep's lower stomach is not going to have the same outcome yeah (laughs) no absolutely for some reason the scene the bit i always remembered from that scene was like not that bit so like I, i freely admit i may have just blocked that bit out of my memory but more like there i know there's one scene where she's like kind of arching her back and she's like you know got an expression of pleasure on her face and Shep regardless of gender is like necking her and sort of got her in her arms and and like that scene was just kind of like yeah this this seems fine this this seems doable so that might be where I was like okay I might be remembering the scene incorrectly no that's basically the scene I think for us because we watched them both for our research like for that episode and it it was very apparent watching them side by side mm. they're the same exact position they just like inserted femship and because we're looking at the whole scene especially Jen who's like analyzing the movements and what's going on you can see their hips touching and I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Like it just feels, it definitely makes more sense as male Shep. So it doesn't feel as good, I guess, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're femme Shep. Yeah. But it's, I guess it's minor. I mean, that's the thing is 
we know how much work that is to create a separate scene. But I guess because Caden got a separate scene for Femship and Maleship, we were like, well, you could have done it for Yara maybe too. Like, yeah. it just makes it feel a little bit more immersive, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if that there was an element of using the fact that, that both PB and Liara were a sorry, like, kind of using that almost as a little bit of a cheat, like, kind of, well, they're alien, they're biology is a different i mean like i i don't know if there was anybody like actually in the cinematics office being like yes yes this is brilliant you know no one will know <laughs> no one will suspect um Excellent. but i think the reason that that bit with liara passed me by um which in which the pb1 did not is that i also remembered it being very dreamlike which which to be honest i actually really like and that's something i would love to see sort of more sort of more in sex scenes in games where there's this sort of almost like dreamlike slow quality that takes its time and i mean like it's certainly not like something that you'd ever see in games like you see it well mass effect and and lots of places but i'm a sucker for that like oh yeah give, like if it's in slow motion with some sort of like dreamy ethereal music and like magical stuff in the background i'm just like Okay, uh, was, uh, let me just put out my cigarette. And <laughs> my it, it adds a layer of romance to mm -hmm. it, like an actual romantic feeling to it. That's what I was going to say about Liara's, her face. Like, you really focus on her face because there's no background to look at. But you don't hear any, like, sex noises or anything like that. It's just the beautiful music and Liara looking completely orgasmic, you know? Which I feel like doesn't happen often enough either that... Their woman's looking like she's really enjoying herself. Well, yeah. The, there's also a thing I think that like it's a good example of you know I I love I personally love scenes that approach sort of sex from an almost like spiritual level. Like it doesn't even have to be mm -hmm. romantic, but kind of this feeling of oh my god, like this is almost like a holy moment or a ritual or something. Um, and it's actually something I I talked a bit about in some of my talks and stuff about. I I posited the idea that like sex scenes can be a mix of I called it the the sacred, the profane, and the mundane. And I want to stress like those are not maybe the best terms to use because I realize they're rooted in you know Western Christian ideography, but they were at the time the closest I could come up with. And this idea that like you can have sex scenes that are as you say, very kind of like spiritual and magical and like almost this like, there's a, there's a huge emphasis on the pleasure as a transcendent moment of like orgasm as a transcendent moment. Then you have like sex is profane, which is more like sexy, sweaty and, and dirty and dirty things and sinful and there's going to be hot succubi involved probably or incubi, we don't judge. Um, and uh, which is also great. Like I, there is definitely a place for that. And then there's sex is mundane, which is more like, this is something people ordinarily do. It's just something that, that is part of many people's regular life. And it can be something beautiful, or it could be something not, you know, not that exciting, or it could be something quiet, big. And then, of course, like, the point that I was making as part of my talks was that obviously you don't have to have a sex scene that's only one of these three things. You can have sex scenes that are a mix. But I think there is something to that idea that like there are different sex scenes that convey different moods and dare I say it, aesthetics question mark, question mark to the audience. And I feel like 
you know, we certainly get some quote unquote sacred moments with like with stuff like Liara, I'd say sort of Dragon Age Origins does it by basically like there's that choir that's in every single mm-hmm. scene. It's <laughs> just like, you know, you're boning and then just suddenly ah, ah, and I'm just like, okay, this like I'm literally having no holds, you know, no strings attached sex with Zeverin right now. The soundtrack is making it sound like this is like the most spiritual moment I've ever, to be fair, it is Zevran. So it is probably actually the most that spiritual That would be a divine experience. experience. Yeah, I, okay, I, t- I take back whatever point I was going to make. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think I'm interested to see how different sex scenes navigate those like three slightly different but also overlapping moods when they deal with it and i want to stress what i say about like sacred versus profane i'm not saying like in any kind of good or bad way more just kind of i don't know it's it's hard to describe but there's a bit where i suppose there's an element of i would block out a sex scene for a porno differently than i would block out a sex scene for this beautiful like this moment where the tr- true lovers come together but i would still watch and enjoy both <laughs> right I feel like cyberpunk has all three of those. Have you seen the cyberpunk sex scenes? I've seen like one or two. I've been meaning to check out more of them, but I was sort of giving cyberpunk a a wide berth for reasons. Um, (laughs) But I would like to see some more. Like I, I, I saw the one where it was like you were somehow sort of your senses were connected to the partner and, and it was just kind of like, I mean, this is kind of hot, but it's also kind of weird. And like, I I have my own thoughts about first person sex scenes, to be honest, which is like, not that they can't be well done, but they can also be quite awkward if you're not careful. And that was somewhat trigger uh, triggering my awkward feelings. Like, just, <laughs> I don't feel like I want to see this. This is not the right angle I want to be watching this activity at. <laughs> yeah, it's very voyeuristic. Like, yeah. it, unless you've played as that character that's having sex the whole time and you just blindly watch it, it really does feel like you are watching porn. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Judy. The tank one that you're talking about is for Pan Am, and she's A, the most popular romance choice for cyberpunk, according to CDPR's stats that they release. But also, like, I feel like that one's a hit or miss for most people. Like, either they really liked it because it was just, it felt very off for me, for her as a character to do that. But she also is pretty spontaneous, so I guess that could have worked too. Yeah. But, like, that one's kind of like the profane, I think, and also Carrie, who is the one gay romance option you have sex with him while a yacht is burning down around you and you've just destroyed you've just like broken it's crazy that sounds it's wild cool. it's frantic it's manic yeah. it is oh it's an intense scene and then you have mundane which i would label river because he's it looks like it was a good time but you're just like in a bedroom and there's nothing extra special about it mm-hmm. and then judy is like the extremely voyeuristic scene to me it's the one lesbian romance option Mm -hmm. and that literally it's very romantic and you can tell that they care about each other but it also feels like i'm intruding like i shouldn't be watching this because it's so intimate 
yeah and very sexy but also I, it made me a little uncomfy honestly because i was like i don't i don't know like this is a little too much i didn't expect it to go that far like and in one hand it's like oh cool you actually get to see a vagina in a video game but on the other hand it's like oh that was more than i expected <laughs> Yeah, I I think I wonder if it's the element of, you know, when you're dealing with third person sex scenes, there's obviously a lot that can be done slash hidden slash implied with art, you know, with artsy angles, you know, that that we don't have to show. We can show as little or as much as we like just by where we um, uh, by where we place the camera angle, whereas from first person, it's just like, no, there is no. There is no camera angle to be dealt with here. You are right there in the middle of the action. And to be fair, depending on what you're doing, not always getting the most flattering angles. Because, I mean, that's another mm-hmm. thing. That there's an element of, like, to a certain extent, when you're doing third person, you can make it look as aesthetically beautiful, like, as as possible. That, like, yes, I'm going to have this perfect, like, one of, one of I think, the most iconic shots in uh, in Mass Effect 1 is that, scene where either Liara or Femme Shep are kind of like in silhouette crawling over the bed. Oh, um, I named that the Bioware body crawl because it happens in so many of their games. (laughs) I mean, I like, I'll be honest, I kind of dig it because I I really dug it there because it, it definitely had that feeling of like, like you know erotic but also based on how much it tantalizes as much as how much it, it shows. But it's also just like an aesthetically beautiful shot. Like the, the colors are amazing. The, the sort of glow of the outline is amazing. So they're able to sort of frame that exactly so that they got that perfect shot. I imagine it would be more difficult in first person just because like you might be looking at someone's nostril or something. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, like, obviously there are ways to make it like really, really hot and I guess I just haven't really. I I need to go back and rewatch the um the scenes again because I have watched them all, but it was so long ago that I've kind of <clears throat> I'm afraid to admit forgotten some of them. But I remember the one between a female main character and oh god, I've forgotten his name. The guy, um, what the game? the male. In, uh, oh, sorry, in cyber in uh, cyberpunk, Carrie or is it River? Uh, Those are the two men. Yeah, the guy you romance as a as a female character. Oh, that must be River. Yeah, yeah, and I remember sort of seeing that scene and being like, "I actually, yeah, kind of what you were saying about like this feels uncomfortable. Like it feels like either voyeuristic, right right there, right there. Yeah, sixty inches. So when I'm playing, because I'm a console gamer, and when I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, it's so large and right there, you know. And I'm like, maybe if I were, because it feels like. POV porn at that point, you know, and I'm like, I'm not really wanting that right now in my game. I wanted a romantic, I'm more of a hopeless romantic person. So I like seeing sex scenes, but I want it to be a bit romantic. And Rivers was romantic, but it also, I don't know, just all of them felt, I don't know, like they were, I I guess what I felt like was they weren't for me. They were for a man somewhere, if that makes sense. Like even the lesbian sex by far, the people who tell me how much they love that scene are straight men mm. who played as a female to see it. It just feels like it was for them, if that makes sense. Also, the women's romance, Pan Am and Judy's, they have so much more content in them to begin with. And they're like main missions versus the two men are like side missions. And River especially, who is the only one for straight V, that's the name of the character, players. 
his love scene and everything is so buggy. Like you'll wake up in his apartment the next day and his niece and nephew are just like tea posing in their room. Still to this day, like two years after this game or three years going to be this year (laughs) that this game has been released. And like, if you call him, he'll answer, but he won't speak. Like they just have never debugged him for some reason. So it kind of feels like they don't even care about him either. I mean, I, I've I've got some like uh, minor issues with games that are basically like, oh, you want to play this particular orientation? You get one choice. And I'm just like, I would like more to choose from. Like I have I have certain I have a certain taste in men. And sometimes the guy you're offering is not that to my taste. And it always kind of sucks when it's like, well, too bad, you've got that choice or you got nothing. Um, and and I also totally know what you mean about like that sometimes it feels, not all games, there's a lot of games where the the male love interest feel just as well presented and just as much uh, devoted to them as the female love interest. But I can definitely think of a few games where it sort of feels like, oh, you sort of sneeze the, the, the male like love options as like, oh, I guess we have to. And didn't really, you know, compare to like the wide variety of of like female love interests. I think that was actually one of my like disappointments when I started digging into um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey's options, where it was like they're generally well done, but there was sort of a feeling of okay, there's one guy I'm totally gonna romance. What are the rest? Uh, bearded guy, bearded guy, bearded guy. <laughs> uh, like it just it it definitely I remember thinking did not feel like there were as many love interests on offer for for people who wanted to romance men as there were as people who wanted to romance women. There were a lot of women to romance in that game. And again, like, I, I for one, welcome uh, Cassandra, disaster lesbian, to every playthrough. <laughs> but uh, I, as a, as a person who likes the dudes, I was kind of like, oh, guys guys really please please more hot dudes no okay i gotta go back to final fantasy 7 and get all the hot dudes i could possibly ever want (laughs) that's like a trend i've seen too is like but i never really even thought about this till very recently like for mass effect specifically if you are a gay man wanting to play as a gay man in that game you don't have romance options until the third game and then you have two options that's so common across the board, too. Like, in Cyberpunk, you have one. Like, you can technically romance River, but it's like, he's not gay. He's just, he, I don't know, they tried to say that they were bi because you can romance River as a V with a male voice or a female voice, but it has to have a female body. Mm-hmm. And same the opposite. It's like male body, but also could have female voice. I don't know what that does to change the voice. Like if it, that inherently puts a sexuality on the character all of a sudden. Yeah. Part of the reason why I've not really kept up with that game as much as I would normally like to for for that genre of game is because my impression about it uh, has always been that it is not dealt with gender and sexuality very well to, and, and yeah. I mean, and, and, and while I realize that that's like, oh, it must be a day ending and why in the video game industry, <laughs> like that it made some pretty egregious missteps like that. And so, you know, it, it was the sort of thing where it's like, okay, this was, this was a game. It was sort of like, not that in, not that interested to begin with. And the fact that I had a lot of friends of mine that were just like, oh, this is just kind of gross. I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll probably just give it a skip. But I do want to, as I said, like refresh yeah. my memory of like the scenes. Cause I, I think I will say this, 
they're better than the last first person AAA sex scene I saw, which was in, oh my God, I've forgotten which Far Cry it is. It's one of the Far Cries and it's like the bad ending. Have, have you, have you seen that one? No, I mean, I've played a few Far Cries, but I don't remember any, any kind of romance, anything in them. So I must not have played that one. So the, it, it's, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, my husband's playing Far Cry 6 right now. And I told him, tell me if there was any romance in it, but he didn't say there was. So it, It's not a romance, really. It's a sex scene. It's basically oh. the sex, it's, um, I wish I could say spoilers for this game, but I'm like, I genuinely don't remember what I, I think it's either three or four, which was mm -hmm. the one with Citra and like, the really cool pirate that everybody liked. I don't know. I don't think I. I think I played four and five, and I've watched my husband play six, and that's it. I think it might be Far Cry three. At any rate, it had a it had a character in it who is basically. I and again, I want to be careful. I don't know what the the thing on this podcast is for spoilers, but oh, we uh, are completely spoiled. Every okay. single episode, we put a little <laughs> audio spoiled. clip in that says, "Here's your fucking spoiler alert." So right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so as I recall, basically there's a character called Citra who is, I would say, even just at first glance, I'm like, this seems like it could have gone past maybe a sensitivity reader or three, but, um, the, one of the endings, apparently you basically decide, yep, I'm totally going to go evil and I'm totally going to do these like ritual sacrifices and all this shit. And then you, and sh like, it cuts to her, like, boning or, or you boning her and like you're playing a, a the the character in question is like a, a cis straight dude and it's all first person camera and it's like not my favorite <laughs> uh it's it's very it's very awkward very voyeuristic has i would argue very problematic uh implications in terms of like well Let's put it this way. I'm very white, so I realize this is not my lane, but I look at it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is racist in ways I don't fully understand. It just felt very uncomfortable. Um, and uh, and it also has like, well, not a non-consensual trigger warning, but like, let's just say it doesn't end well for anybody. And it's just like, yeah, it, it's... It, it was not, it's sort of, I, I feel to a certain extent, put me against first person sex scenes for a while because it was just like, okay, so I get to have awkward humping above like basically boobs that are in sort of vaguely, no, no, not vaguely, extremely problematic war paint and things like that. And then there's a ritualistic sacrifice. Yes, no, I'm sure there's absolutely nothing wrong here. <laughs> So uh yeah, it was not was not my best for experience of a of a first person uh sex scene, I have to say. That is definitely interesting. I think V maybe what we can do is we'll watch the scene and then we'll kind of record our thoughts about it and then talk about it in the after show. Um, yeah. in the outro for this episode. Because that's yeah. definitely sounds interesting, but not necessarily in a good way no i criticize <laughs> I, I apologize if i have inflicted a bad sex scene on you guys but i although i must admit it is something that i sort of like well not not that i like inflicting at them on other people but i do like uh as you say talking about sex scenes to try mm -hmm. and break them down like 
And that's mm-hmm. part of what we do at Ferrum. One of, I remember we had this one, so every month or so we have these fireside chats where we'll just get together and do a topic. Usually the topic's a bit more like general, like it'll be like how to do romance in multiplayer games or things like that. But we had one, I remember, where we decided to break down this one specific scene. Uh, and it was the scene with, um, uh, it was the scene from the first scene between Bayek and Aya in Assassin's Creed Origins, which I actually really love that scene. But one of the things I was really interested about was like, you know, asking questions like, well, they relocated midway through the scene into this like cold, like this, this cooler lit cave where they're like in the pool and, and like she's shaving his head and they have this moment of intimacy. I would love to know what the creative thought process was for doing that, you know, because like, I, I think it works, but it, it obviously, you know, while they were figuring it out, that somebody had to come up with that as an idea I'm thinking like, you know, was it a case of, oh, well, this is just expedient because we don't want to have to animate them writhing around on a table? Or was it like more, well, we want there to be this feeling of like a nighttime scene. That's why we're going to move it here. So, I mean, I, 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 like we talked for like half an hour about that question. <laughs> um, so I, I love the opportunity to talk about stuff like that. It's why um, one of the other talks I, I sometimes do is at Pax West, I will do a, a sexy or silly or steamy or silly uh, panel where I basically get a bunch of panelists, tell them all to bring a sex scene that they either can't stand or that they love or just the one that they have stuff they want to talk about. And then they get like they get to show it to the audience and then they get 10 minutes to either like just just start either ripping it apart or talking about what they love. Uh, and that's always been so much fun. I've gotten exposed to so many cool and romantic and also desperately awkward and horrible sex scenes that way. Uh, that as well as a couple amazing Sorry. so i live oh. in portland and my goal is to go to pax west uh when it comes up this year so hopefully i get the opportunity to go and oh i would love to sit in on that panel oh excellent well i'll i'll definitely keep you guys in the loop because i i i'm hoping i'm also going to be going to pax west i'm I'm sort of still at the point where i'm like i don't know big conference is all scary that's why i'm not going to gdc but um but i am uh i'm sort of at the point where i'm like okay I don't want to get on a plane and go to a giant conference, but maybe if I could go get on a plane for a small conference or get on a bus or a car or some non-tube-in-the-air-filled-with-plague-fumes way of getting to a large conference, maybe that would work. And since I live in Vancouver, getting to Seattle is pretty easy, so fingers crossed. I'm moving there in August. How cool. Really? Vancouver, Washington? I know Vancouver, oh, uh, Canada. Okay, yeah. just kidding. I'm moving yeah. to Vancouver, Washington. Oh, but okay. Whatever. Yeah, Twin Cities. Twin Cities. Yeah. <laughs> I was very excited for a second. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that, it's not that far away. We I would still... totally move to Canada if I could. It's. I mean, it, it's got its own problems. I, so, I have yeah. to say, like, my God, do we have our own problems? But I, there are definitely, there are definitely, there are certain things that I don't have to worry about as much as I realize that some of my American peers do, and I really wish that they didn't have to worry about it. That they could just be like, "Yep, no, this is this is cool. I'm I'm gonna." You know, like healthcare being yeah. a big one. <laughs> That's yeah. the one that immediately comes to mind <laughs> yeah. for me and most people. I feel like actually that got me thinking again. It brought me back to cyberpunk about healthcare. Strangely enough, it, it my very quick train of thought was healthcare, trans people getting healthcare that they need. 
trans people in cyberpunk, you never get to see your genitalia. What do you think about that? Like, give you this game where you can choose even your dick size or boob size. And you if you take off all your clothes and look down, you are in underwear no matter what. Even in the shower, like, it doesn't make any sense. I... I will clarify that though. Only like actual in gameplay because you open yes. the menu and you take off your clothes. You can you get see to- yourself naked in the in the inventory menu only. But even during the sex scene, for it's like I romance Judy, the lesbian romance option, and she's fully naked. There is one option in the menu where you can turn off that, and she'll be in underwear. Like your romance options won't be completely naked. But you are never completely naked, no matter what. And so a lot of people were very upset by that because they're like. I finally get to role play as a trans person and now I can't even see my own, you know what I mean? Like why bother letting you choose it if you never get to see it in the game, which maybe some people would hear that and think that's so weird. Why do you want to see your game penis? It's like, that's just another layer of role playing. It makes it feel real, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, there's, you know, part of me is even just thinking on, if you didn't even want to go that route, there's the argument of, well, some people, role characters that they themselves find are attracted to like i'll i'll fully cop to the fact that i have rolled so many hot male characters just so i could be like yep i'm i'm enjoying this i'm what you know so like you would think even on a yeah sex sells we'll we'll get so many people interested in that that's something that they would consider but clearly it sort of sounds like it hasn't yeah my my initial reaction is Negative, but with with heavy caveats going into this that I'm not trans, so I realize this you know is not my uh, lane. But my impression, firstly, I I can't shake the impression that it's felt like some of those gestures or some of those customizations. It's difficult to tell how many of them were like this is something we put in because we really think this is going to make the game better or or allow people to role play versus oh man, we got controversy. We'd better like, you know, do something to sort of be like, no, 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 look, you can do this thing. But then they don't really do as great a job as they could. Again, I I don't, I'm not privy to the, you know, development process and I don't want to, you know, crap on a bunch of developers who I don't know. But I do kind of feel like this feels like it could have used a few more rounds of iteration and discussion, particularly with trans like developers themselves, you know, working on this thing and being like, okay, let's let's make something that we want to see in a game that we can use ourselves. And this is possibly when somebody, uh, you know, shows up and says, actually, yes, that that is what happened. But my impression was that that was not exactly how things played out. I went to a really good talk. Uh, I, th- I think I think it was a full talk at one of the online GDCs. Uh, I think last year or the year before by I want to say Aubrey Jane Scott. I will double check the the pronunciation or the spelling because my brain is not with it. But she actually provided uh, material for my book. She did a great talk about inclusive character customization and specifically called out cyberpunk 2077 for like not having you know basically just like okay you've got like the penis or the vagina and you've got like a few models of each and that's it and that's not really what an inclusive design would be and she was talking about the um that apparently i think she did a uh she worked on a character creator for I want to say one of the need for speeds um, or something like that. And obviously that didn't get down to the point of genitalia, 
well, maybe it did. I don't actually remember. Um, but was basically talking about like, this is the level of customization you should be thinking of, particularly if you're going to be doing like something to do with like sex or intimacy or nudity or things like that. And it was like, it was a really interesting talk. I don't know if it's publicly available, but highly recommend it. So yeah, she, like she would probably have way more, way more intelligent thoughts on the subject uh, than I do. My thoughts are basically, yeah, this seems um, badly, it, it, like not impl implemented, it's not implemented as well as it could or should have been, that it could have been a lot more meaningful uh, in terms of an experience and ended up kind of being like, okay, well, you see it on the menu screen and that's it, question mark. Um, so yeah, as I said, I was, I was, I, I had, I had my issues. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting choice, I guess, for me. Cause like, I don't, and I don't think there is any way that this could happen anyway for ratings alone, but I don't see that every game that has romance or sex scenes in them would need to show genitalia on anyone or even nudity of any kind, but this game in particular, like gave you the option to make it. So then it just felt really weird that you would never see it even in the shower. Like I remember the first time I played it and my character's in the shower and she's looking down at herself and you just see this like weird black underwear on her and I'm like, shower? in the shower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I felt it took me out of the moment. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm playing a first person game where I literally chose how I wanted my pubic hair to be cut in the shape of. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not even there. Like, why was why was that even an option? You know, it just was so, so weird. I mean, and the funny thing is, like, you know, funny you mentioned pubic hair, because, like, for some reason, whenever anybody mentions that, I always think of Sarah's romance in, in Dragon yes. Age Inquisition. <laughs> and, like, that doesn't show the pubic hair at all. But, like, it does such a good job of, like, well, you don't need to. It's just such a great, funny scene by itself that, like, you don't need to, like... So, you know, they managed to do, you know, more with less, well, less, quote unquote, in terms of less of what they're showing, but they're able to use the writing and the character, like, you know, responses to still make you feel like, even though I didn't see it, I feel absolutely like this is, this is awesome. And I'm really enjoying this. At least I really enjoyed it. I don't know what, like, I, I know, I know a lot of people really liked uh, Sarah's sex scene. I, I think there's other people that didn't like Sarah as much, but like, I thought that was like, that was that. And, and, um, uh, a lot of, uh, iron bull stuff I thought did a very good job of being like, Hey, we're going to get actually pretty explicit, but in a really fun and well done way. And that like talking about it in a way that wasn't tell don't show, but felt like organic character interactions. And you ended mm -hmm. up not thinking, Oh, I missed out on seeing like you know I didn't get to see you know Iron Bull's giant Wang. It was like okay, that yeah, bummer. But you did get like all of that dialogue, all of that like interplay that made it clear that you know his his Wang was impressive. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, I, I so yes with the whole with the Sarah sex scene. It was adorable. She's like, you cut it. it you, it's heart shaped for me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I know what that looks like. And I can picture that in my head. So yeah, I didn't need to see it on my Inquisitor. But I could definitely understand what it looks like. And yeah, while I would have loved to have seen the giant iron bull, because you know, for damn well, that's not little bull, that's big bull. Um, I didn't need to 
in the game and mm. and I didn't need to see myself swinging from the chandelier but the fact that we talked about it it was implied I know what their sex looks like because I can picture that in my head because it was talked about openly in the mm-hmm. game and I I'm a bullmancer, definitely for sure. So I can definitely see the appeal of bull. Like I, I'm, I suspect, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a soulless mancer because, like, give me, uh, give me sad elf men, please. The only problem with with soulless is like I also like my dudes with like super long hair, and I'm just like the the egg shtick is a little not quite me but but i totally get the bull aesthetic and i i think he would actually probably be my second choice for romance just because there is very much this sort of open sexuality to it and i remember actually being at a round table with um some of some of the bioware writers that like worked on that and um obviously i i can't like I don't remember I don't think we were talking about anything NDA or anything private but I do remember them sort of saying that like yes it was very it was sometimes very awkward being in a room with a bunch of very repressed Canadians trying to like discuss how we were going to do this and I'm just like wouldn't be a problem for me hire me please I would totally be all over this <laughs> um but like it it worked it like it it really worked and I think it actually highlights that like because that's another thing that that has occurred to me a lot that um there are technical challenges in doing sex scenes in like AAA games and in 3D just in terms of like you need to get the eye contact right you need to make sure the quote unquote hit detection is right because if you start like clipping through each other it's going to look weird mm-hmm. um there's there's like are you going to make entirely naked character models just for this one scene? Because again, they only seem to ever do one scene. So there's a lot of things where, um, you know, either due to budget or due to, you know, technical difficulties uh, or just let's be honest, sometimes due to, well, we don't want to spend that much time on just a sex scene. We got like important shit like combat to do. Sometimes it's just not going to get as much detail as it might need to be like really explicit and really visual but that's where you can sort of you can account for that with other things like the writing like the audio like you know the 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 um you know the framing of the of the of the shot like okay well you don't you know you don't have the the ability to show naked characters writhing around sometimes just like a shot of shadows on the wall might be 10 times sexier because like, and, and, and the best part is that then like, then you can do whatever the hell you want with the models. Like um, there is, if you get a chance, I don't know if you had a chance to talk to any cinematics directors, but I definitely, I, I, after this, I can actually recommend someone for you to reach out to. Um, But like, I talked with one of them about it um, and like uh, actually may as well say because she's in my book uh ashley roll who's uh, a cinematics director uh or at the time was cinematics director on star wars the old republic now is i want to say narrative director i'll have to double check um <laughs> but uh she was talking about how of course with romance scenes and with a lot of cut, well, with a lot of cut scenes a lot of it is kind of like make the barbie dolls stand in the place that they need to for the shot to work mm-hmm. um and and she did a great chapter about um you know sort of what basically what were some techniques for cinematics to you know tackle this sort of thing and yeah she sort of said like 
well, you know, you're, the camera is another character in the bedroom. Like, use that. You know, what is the camera focusing on? Because, like, you like you could have it be focusing on ass or or you know, like naked people, or you could have them focus on like. I don't know about you. I'm always I'm always a sucker for like uh, shots of like you know hand on the bed, somebody else's hand on top, and like interlocking fingers. I'm just like, yes, please, that is my shit. Give me that stuff. Um, and obviously, like that's also difficult to do considering uh, you know hit detection, hand detection, and all that stuff. But like there are ways that you can do a l- like a lot with a little, and that's one aspect. Audio is another aspect. Like what can you do with the rustle of clothing what can you do with you know like voice there are some sex scenes where i'm like okay that performance could have been dialed back a little a lot um but at the same time there's a lot of scenes i really loved where like just just the sort of sounds of like how people are responding is like really good and really sets the mood and then the writing is another big part of it that you can use you can have all sorts of really interesting sexual things and romantic things happen both explicitly said through dialogue but also implicitly you know spoken through dialogue and thus you know like because the writers of dragon age inquisition knew their shit you now have stuff like yeah we've got very few explicit scenes with iron bull but i still totally got front row seats to the to to you know their negotiation of kink that discussion of safe words was amazing like that was such a great moment um like i just i loved the way you know the like what they did with the dialogue and the writing of that of of all of the romances but particularly that one so uh yeah this is i guess i guess my long roundabout way of saying like i i love it when developers put as much thought into designing and like the cinematics or the gameplay or the sort of the narrative of a sex scene as much as any other scene in the game mm-hmm. um and that was why you know part of the reason why i did things like you know the book and and the talks and stuff because i was like i felt that there was a lot of at the time that there was a lot of talk on a general level of like sex scenes need to be more mature and we need to be, you know, more, more adult in the way we deal with themes of sexuality. And that's great. But I was also like, yeah, but like what makes a good sex scene? Like what, you know, like let's get into the nitty gritty and pull it apart. Um, And so that's what I spent a lot of time doing of just being like, and now on this slide, we're going to talk about why this sex scene was going great. You know, this sex scene between these characters was going great until it cut away midway through and lost the momentum. (laughs) Um, You were talking about the audio of it. And I would like to say that there is so much more that can be said in a simple (gasps) intake of breath than can be in an uh uh it's just mm-hmm. like they're the very different scenes that would involve those and it's yeah. just like you can make or break it with the sounds coming out mm-hmm. yeah well i mean one thing and and to be fair like this i completely understand because of the way that that certain like recording sessions and and things go but like i i often see a lot of sex like particularly in AAA sex scenes where it feels like the erotic audio is completely disconnected from what is actually happening on screen. Like there's a, like, this is something I think that, that um, Witcher 3 struggled with a little bit in their 
brothel scenes, like kind of more the casual mm-hmm. sex scenes mm-hmm. with the with the um uh with the courtesans, where they weren't bad scenes, but there was sort of an element of like there was an audio thing of like ah <laughs> oh, ah mm, ah in the back, and I'm like, okay, but none of this is actually sort of directly connecting with what Geralt is doing. And believe me, like Geralt's a you know Geralt's a sexy guy. I would be perfectly happy to like you know see what the heck he's doing that's you know evoking these sorts of sounds. But it didn't really seem to connect. And again, I think it made like because I th- I think there were some other scenes where like that it did a much better job of connecting the 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 sounds that the characters were making with what was happening. So it may just have been a case of like we need to fill out like. 13 courtesan scenes please you know here's the microphone please moan now you know? yeah but um but i i absolutely agree that like you know uh, uh, you know a lot can be done with just like as you say just breath um like i would love to see more play with like softer noises of like excitement um and also like could we please get some dude noises too? Because like dudes moaning is kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, please, yes. Like I need the full sensory overload when I am in these scenes, uh, and I feel like we could talk for like a whole nother hour about this. Oh my gosh! So yeah, like I said, we could talk for another hour with Michelle, and uh, we did. <laughs> So this will actually be a two-part interview. We plan on watching the Far Cry 3 sex scene with its pretty titties covered in racist war paint, but that will be for next time, not tonight. Oh, got anything to add to the end wrap-up of the first half of this interview? Present day V talking right now is about 50 minutes into editing said audio that you just listened to. I have to say, uh, we talked a lot about cyberpunk. So I, I think it wasn't, wasn't that like right after we finished all of cyberpunk's episodes when we recorded this in February, mm-hmm. I think it was, or we were during cyberpunk at the time. So it was like fresh on my mind, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was a good talk and hopefully we can get her back on someday and someday hopefully we can join one of her, um, monthly, the round tables that they do. Mm-hmm. That'd be really fun. Yeah, we haven't had the opportunity yet just because a lot of the topics have been more game developer-y than I feel confident enough to walk into a room to. Yeah. If we ever, like she mentioned one um, talking about like dissecting the Aya and Bayek scene. Mm -hmm. Like if they ever do another one like that where they're analyzing a scene, obviously we are definitely primed for that one. So we'll join it. Oh, yeah. But no, I hope that you guys really enjoyed this episode and that when the second part comes out, uh, you will enjoy that one as well. I can give you a little sneak peek about it. We definitely talk more Mass Effect romance and about how you can have sex scenes that aren't wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, show me the penis but more of how an intimate moment can be created without there being intimate moments. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, So please, if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on that new Spotify feature and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Dosty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash ship. Links to those are in the description. And I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays, because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, and remember that beauty is in the eye of the controller. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.